Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to Sisters in Scripture. You got your girl Mare Bear here along with Sister Glow. Hey, everybody. As well as the wonderful Lady T. What's up? <laughs> so tonight we are going to be doing a wonderful piece. It's a little long. We're going to do our best from our, uh, John chapter 4. Verses 1 through 42, the woman at the well. Let's go. Father God, we come to you tonight just asking you for your guidance, your wisdom, and the right words to give encouragement and any kind of faith to get us through this coming week. Allow for the words that we are saying to be a sweet aroma to your nostril and allow for us to touch somebody either directly or indirectly through this podcast and bless all of those that are listening um, for us tonight. We pray all of these things in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. All right. So I'm going to try my best to sum it up. This was a long chapter. This was about the Samaritan woman who met the Messiah at the well. So Jesus was leaving Judea and going to Galilee. But in order to get to Galilee, he had to go through Samaria. On his travel, Jesus got tired. So he decided to rest near the plot of the grounds where Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And at that plot was Jacob's well and this was where everyone in that town will come and draw water and there Jesus was resting and a Samaria woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her give me a drink and this is while the his disciples went into the town to get some food. So Jesus was by himself. He was resting. And he asked this woman who came, give me a drink. And the woman looked at him and was like, um, how is it that you as a Jew asked me as a Samaritan woman for a drink? Because Jews don't deal with Samaritans. So then Jesus said, if you only knew who asked you for the drink, you would have given it to me and that I will give you a living water. Then the woman said to Jesus, well, you don't have nothing for me to draw that water for you. And the well is deep. Are you greater than Jacob? Because remember the well belonged to Jacob. And she was basically saying, are you saying that you're higher than our father Jacob who gave us this well? and who drank from it and also fed his livestock. So then Jesus said to her, whoever drinks from this well, they will thirst again. But if you, if I give you a water and if you ask for my water, that you will never thirst again. It's like an everlasting water that you would get. So the woman said to Jesus, for him to give her that type of water that she may not thirst again or come to that well again to draw the water. So then Jesus said, well, okay, then go and get your husband so you both could come here 
And the woman said, I don't have a husband. And I thought this was interesting because Jesus was basically kind of testing her. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and she said, uh, and Jesus said, <laughs> you you basically answer good because you have no husband. The one that you're with right now is not your husband, but you had five husbands before that. So the, the lady, after Jesus said that, basically she she then felt like Jesus was a prophet and she then said that they worship basically on the mountains and Jews said that it's, be they ha it's best for them to worship in Jerusalem, the place where they have to go to worship. But then um, Jesus mentioned to her that basically a time will come where there'll be nowhere for the worship and that God is seeking true worshipers that will worship him in spirit and in truth. That God is spirit and those who worship him, they have to worship him in spirit and in truth. Then um, the woman basically said to uh, Jesus that the Messiah is coming. So she's still clueless a little bit. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said, I am who you speak to. I am the Messiah, girl. <laughs> then at that point, the disciples came and they saw Jesus talking to this woman. Now they were shocked, but they didn't say anything back to Jesus because I guess they know that, you know, Jesus will talk to anybody. He, he doesn't discriminate. So they were just in awe, like marveled at, you know, what, who he was talking to, a Sumerian um, woman. And then the woman left and went into the city and she called, she went to the men and told the men basically what happened and that Jesus told basically everything that she has ever done. So then while she was in town doing that, the disciples were trying to get Jesus to eat. They said, you know, you have to rabbi, you have to eat. And Jesus told the disciples that his food is to do the will of him, who is God, um, who sent him and to finish his work. And when he was talking to the disciples and the women was also in the town talking to the men, then many of the Samaritans, after hearing what the woman told them, believe what she said. And they came to Jesus. And after, I guess, conversating with Jesus for a little bit, they realized that, you know, he is the Messiah. And they asked him to stay for two more days. And Jesus went ahead and stayed for two more days. And by doing that, he drew more Samaritans closer to him. And that's when they said that they believe for themselves, basically, and not just because of what um, the Samaritan woman came to witness to them, but that they know that he is the true living God, that he is the savior of the world because they experienced them for themselves. So that was the sum of the woman at the well. Mm -mm -mm. What did y'all think? It was a lot. <laughs> It's a good a lot. The first thing that, you know, I want to point out about this story. There's so many things to point out. 
But mm-hmm. I particularly want to point out the racism in this story. And I know it sounds very <laughs> weird, but if I'm going to kind of go through the history of the Samaritans and the Jews so you can mm-hmm. understand why the disciples were so like, oh, why is he talking to her? And why even she was like, why is he talking to me? Samaria is north of uh, Jerusalem. And they used to all be, it used to all be Israel until like they split, like right after King Solomon died, then the, mm-hmm. it split into two. So there was the people in the north and the people in the south. And so they kind of started to be enemies then. But after that, Israel got conquered by a whole bunch of people. First was the Assyrians, which only captured the north. And then when the Assyrians captured them, they pretty much mixed with the Israelites in the north. A lot of the Israelites were were displaced and uh, mm-hmm. Assyrians and other groups came into that area. So Samaria was like really a very mixed race society. So they weren't like the pure Jews. And so mm-hmm. the Jewish people at that time that, you know, were from the South, that lived in the South, even though they had been captured and mixed too, they felt like they were superior to the northerners so they looked down on samaria and the samaritans they were enemies even though they were brothers even though they were both jews even though they both believed in the same thing well some of them were some of them were from other cultures but they all as you can hear from this story in a woman in a well she's talking about oh when the messiah comes and you know going to the temple and praying but she can't go to the temple because the temple's in jerusalem and she is a samaritan woman is not welcome in jerusalem so, like she's talking about all this stuff so it shows that they have similar backgrounds they still believe in the same things but they were enemies and i think that that is so applicable to today and things that are going on in america and around the world you know we are all brothers whether you're black white from this tribe from that tribe from the the east of the west from the south of the border to the north of the border we are all brothers we are all children of god we all come from the same place most of us even the ones who fight each other believe in the same things but yet there's this tendency amongst humans for a group to say oh i'm better than them they're beneath me they should serve me and I don't know wh- what that disconnect is, but I mean, it was happening back then and it's happening still today. And as you can see in the story, Jesus was not racist or sexist. He knew what was in her heart. And he knew that if he waited for her at that well and talked to her, that she would spread the good news about him and that her actions caused the whole town to believe in him. So... That's the biggest thing that I got from it is the the racism and how it divides us when really our goals are all the same. And, you know, people just want to do good, be good, have their families elevate. And there's no need for us to oppress each other because that doesn't do anything but divide the church. Right. And it was even as simple as where to worship, you know, Mm -hmm. and I love the fact that how Jesus was saying that it doesn't matter where you worship, Mm. because, you know, that was also an issue between the Samaritans and the Jews where they felt like, you know, you have to worship at the temple. And then they felt like they had to worship at the mountain because of, you know, Moses and the Ten Commandments, blah, 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 Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. But Mm -hmm. they had two different spots where they felt like 
that's where God will meet you at, you know? And I love the fact that Jesus corrected and said, no, God wants you to worship and the true worshipers, they could worship God anywhere in the bathroom, mm. in, in hell, wherever you are, mm. your true is, is because he is spirit that you are to worship him in spirit and in truth because you don't have to show people or go to a place to say, oh, God is there. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He's everywhere. So there is no specific. I love the fact that he pointed that out, like the true worshipers. And he said they're true worshipers because anybody can worship. But what are you really worshiping? Is it pure? Is it from your heart? Is it true? Because if it's true, you could do it in your car. You could do it while you're in class, whatever you're doing, you know? So I love that. I love that too. And and you brought up something too about like the church kind of thing. Like I love I love the church. I love going to the church or whatever. <laughs> but there are like these little mm -hmm. minor differences in the different sects of the church. Mm -hmm. And they will like completely divide and mm -hmm. wars have been fought over that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. and you're like, what? Y'all missing the whole point. Or like you're in a cult. Or like if you're in a cult, you know, you don't come to the church. So you're a part of a cult. Like you you don't get the word if you don't come to the church. That's not mm -hmm. true. I mean, I honestly right. feel like you do. I mean, I, I and I go to church, you know, I feel like it is to congregate to fellowship. You know, mm -hmm. it's good to fellowship with others. But you cannot say someone does not have the word in them or know God because they don't go to church on Sundays. There's a lot mm -hmm. of people sitting at the pews going to hell, sliding right through there. So mm. the church is not God. Mm. God is in you. So he is a spirit. He dwells in you. So wherever you go, you're going with God. You're right about that because. I think when Corona hit too, it was definitely an eye opener. I think mm -hmm. for a lot of us, because most people mm -hmm. were having church at their home, studying on their own. And I, you know, it had its benefits. I'm not saying it wasn't a horrible thing. It was, but mm -hmm. you know, God turns around horrible things. And so one of those benefits were people really had to kind of be in solitude and really right be with God and either you either you turn to him or you turn to something else. But for mm -hmm. a lot of us, you know, we turned to him, we got into our work, got into our Bibles and a lot mm -hmm. of that church mm -hmm. drama wasn't in it. You know what I'm saying? So I agree. Like I, I love going to church as long as it's the right church, <laughs> but you can't have church anywhere. You can praise them anywhere. I have church in my car almost every day. <laughs> You can have church in your home. In yep. fact, like a lot of people just go to church just because they're they're being show-offs. They're being hypocrites. Yeah, I go to church, so I'm going to go to heaven, right? No, it's not about that. It's, once again, it's oh. like I'm only doing it because of what I want. You know, it's not because I really care or really even believe. I just, it's a check in the box. Hey, if I do this, I'll get into heaven. But no, Jesus is like, no, you know, you can really have church anywhere. It's not about a building. It's about what's in your heart. I want some true praisers. I want some true warriors, not the phony ones that are in the middle of the aisle to be seen, but don't really have it in their heart. And I'm not saying people in their aisle don't have it in their hearts. Most do, but there are some that are just kind of being a show. Mm -hmm. I started laughing because when COVID hit, man, 
I know God was like, oh, girl, I haven't heard from you in 20 years. What? You praying to me now? What? I'm Ooh. telling you, people were like running, like praying, having prayer sessions. You know, it, it, it just drew as much as it was such a horrible, you know, experience seeing people passing and all of that. It was like a time that God just paused the world to see who their true Messiah is. Like, who are you going to rely on right now? Science or me? Because mm -hmm. at this point, science don't have it. Mm -hmm. so who are you going to rely on? But it was just amazing how many, like, prayer groups were formed that I was hearing about. And, you know, people that I know. I'm like, wow, God. This 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 is legit. Like, you, you will stop somebody in their tracks. <laughs> mm-hmm. I completely agree with you ladies, but I was going to say too, that like as much as the, as much as like you want to have worshiping and prayer and everything within your own self, cause God is omnipresent. Like you said, lady T, but mm -hmm. it's also a shame because the church shows you that sometimes it can be one of the toughest places to go to, even though it should be one of the most open places to go mm. to because mm. of the fact that people aren't really open. Judging. Like they say they love you. They say they want you to be there, but they're judging you from the minute that you step foot through the threshold. And mm. that is sometimes what turns people away. In fact, before I completely gave myself over, that's what turned me away from the church because of the fact that I'm coming in just, I already had all these thoughts and everything because it wasn't that I didn't know God. I didn't know anything about huh. church. I just never really opened my mouth and said and lined up my beliefs in my heart with what was being said. And so when I was trying to actually go and do this, the first thing that comes out of people's mouths is like, who told her to come? And it's like, yeah, see, this is exactly why I wasn't coming because of this foolishness. But Again, that's a that's a thing of growth where you have to learn to line up that if you need God, you got to go to God no matter what. And in fact, he wants you when you're broke down, not when you're together and perfect, because in a certain sense, I mean, you always need him, but you need him even more. So mm. the sad thing is with this story, it shows you how unloving and unkind the church can be along with, like mm -hmm. you said, Sister Glow, the whole racism and everything. And that's the part that's upsetting to me, like, you know. I'm probably a little bit more open than a lot of people, but sometimes it really hurts me when I hear people say, well, I don't like this kind of person because of this. And it's like, you know, you don't have to like them, but you can still mm -mm. respect them. You can still love them. You can mm -hmm. still care for them and pray for them. You don't have to agree with what they do. You don't have to agree with what they think, but you can still, you know, love them from afar. And that's what sometimes gets me all fired up because I'm sitting here looking at you talking about you love the Lord and you love Jesus and da 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 da, but you don't like somebody because they might wear a hijab. Like, oh my God. I, mm. I, I, don't, I don't care that we don't line up together. I still love her. She's still my sister. Maybe we have different thought processes, but I wish her well. I want nothing but the best for her because in my heart, I don't have no malice. Now, I mean, maybe if you're like a rapist or a pedophile, but even then I probably still would wish you well in a sense. So, I mean, <laughs> or hope that you get what you need in Jesus to, to turn right. to not right. do that, you know? Right, exactly. But even still, I, I say this all the day, being that I'm a registered nurse, I would take care of the worst of the worst. I, I might rip the tape off your flesh a little bit harder than I normally would. <laughs> 
But other than that, I'm still going to take care of you and love you. So it it doesn't matter to me. And that's the part that sometimes is very frustrating. And you see this in this story because she's talking about the fact that because she's a Samaritan woman, that she mm-hmm. can't worship. And it's mm-hmm. hurtful to see that because that is still, like you said, Sister Glove, going on today. And it's frustrating because it shouldn't be that case. We should all be able to do whatever we need to do, however, whomever, whenever, and just love each other. And you just be over there doing your thing. You want to worship that blade of grass? You go right ahead and worship the blade of grass. <laughs> no business. I love you oh. as a person, you know, but that's not my jam. But I still love you. I'm not going to hate you for it. So by listening to you, um, Mayor Bear, it, <laughs> it just in the story, it connects it all. You know, like you said, um, she's expecting for a Jew not to want to speak to a Samaritan. Yeah. And it's just like mm-hmm. we're talking about going to the church and being judged, you know, that connected it. And then it also connected it when she basically, I mean, <laughs> she, she felt like, why are you, you know, why are you even talking to me? Mm-hmm. Like, and and then Jesus was like, uh, girl, I already know who you are. You know, by even mm. saying that you have five husbands and the one you with ain't even your husband. But I'm still talking to you, girl. Like, you know, the time I look at you like you're worthless or you're this or that or label you. But Jesus is like the Messiah is like, oh, I know what you do. I know what you have done in secret. I know you. But I'm still talking to you. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, let's talk about that this this Samaritan woman for a while because since it was since the story was written, she's been given a, a really horrible horrible name. Oh, that's promiscuous woman. But <laughs> was she really though? Let's talk about the history. <laughs> mm. So <laughs> you know, back then it was very strict on women and marriage and not being defiled before you get married. So how does someone, a woman, end up with being having been married five different times? Because usually if a, a husband back then, if a husband divorced his wife, which back then they can divorce them for any reason they wanted. You ain't cook my eggs right. Divorce. So if a husband divorced a wife, usually that wife was just no longer touchable like people did not look at her as a potential of a wife because she was not a virgin because she had disappointed somehow disappointed the first husband and then and another husband wasn't going to come along and be disappointed either so that was a very big thing so how did this woman end up with five different husbands if the first husband divorced her for whatever reason and then she got another one after that and then another one after that another another one after that that's a lot but a lot of times now scholars look at the story and based on like historical facts and traditions back in the time they think that this woman might have been barren and that is why those husbands left her but she was probably a good enough at heart woman to get picked up by another husband and then another and then another oh well, maybe it was the husband's fault why you didn't have any kids. I'll try. And, you know, so on and so forth like that. And so maybe that last husband, well, who wasn't really her husband, I mean, where else could she have gone after have, having disappointed five husbands? She probably had no choice. It was either the street or living in this house as a concubine or whatever. So, and and this poor woman, 
The other thing about it is she went to the well alone, but this was a well that everybody went to every day. So how is it that she's going alone? It's probably because she went at a time when nobody else would go to the well because she was probably so tired of hearing people talk about that woman who had the five husbands, just like y'all said. And, you know, people, when you walk into church, mm, look at her skirt. Mm, you know what she did? Mm, she was this, she was that. She used to be the drug addict on the street. You know, whatever, whatever, whatever the story is. And so that might have even been why she was going to the well at the time that she went to the well, which Jesus already knew she was going to be there at the time. And that's purposely why he went there at that time, because he knew her. He knew her heart. He made her and he knew her struggle. And he also knew that she was brave enough, brave enough smart enough and faithful enough to tell what happened at the well to the rest of the town so i think that's just gorgeous right there and in, in, in there like when other people think you're trash or when other people think that you're horrible even if even if you're not you you might or might have might or might not have done or it might just be your circumstance but despite the circumstance that you were born into or that you know, happened throughout your life, Jesus is still there and he knows your heart, heart, and he knows your talents, what you're capable of, and he can use anybody to make his purpose, you know, grand to be the grand scheme of things. Yep. And he used her to be a witness. Mm hmm. And I find it so interesting that she went to the men of the town. <laughs> I find that interesting, too. <laughs> It specifically says she went to the men. Like, wow. Well, we know well probably, bold. probably, probably because, well, definitely because she's bold, but of all people, the women, like the women, the women well, yeah, they, they hated her, but at the same token, the word would carry more with a man than if another woman came to them and said something. Mm -hmm. She said specifically, I saw the Messiah. He told me about myself. Like, they're going to listen to her because it's coming straight from the horse's mouth. And then other men are going to talk to other men because we all know that we didn't, that women didn't matter at that time. So she knew that she wanted to get her point across that she needed to talk to the men rather than the women. And plus, like you said, Lady T, probably the women didn't like her. They wouldn't talk to her. They wouldn't listen to nothing she had to say anyway. So mm -hmm. she already knew she had to go holler at the people who had the most power, which were the men. And they also would probably listen to her and validate her more so as well as spread it to the women who she didn't want to have to deal with and that way it got on further which is why i'm sure this is why jesus picked her because he knew she was bold and she was smart and she knew what to do you know what that's so sad too because oftentimes when you're an oppressed group if be it a woman a samaritan a black person whatever when you're an oppressed group like crabs in a barrel you know we talk about that all, a lot of time in the black community crabs in a barrel and how we don't allow you know someone in our group to to get to like make it to make it to the top to make it you know out of that cage out of that bondage right because we are constantly pulling each other down and so that's the case with the samaritan woman she was being pulled down and looked down uh, amongst other women who probably should have been building her up and saying, sis, don't worry about it. You know, I know that you, you've been going through this thing, but, you know, you're still worthy. Instead of that, they're calling her a hoe. They're saying that she's defiled, you know, all that kind of stuff like that. They're, they've outcasted her. And ain't that true? And a lot of 
peoples who are oppressed that they tend to, instead of helping build each other up, they tend to put each other down. And that's something that we need to learn from too, because guess what? In that case, the women were the last to know about the Messiah because they had put her down so much. You know what I'm saying? And same with our communities now. We, If we continue to put each other down, then we're just going to be staying down. We're, we're going to be the last to know. Like a lot of things that now we're the last to know about financial breakthroughs. We're the last to know about, you know, how to achieve because we're so busy putting each other down that we don't get that information. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Very mm. true. And it's it's sad because then we also have like, and then it's sad because the oppressed tends to want to continue oppressing people. So even if they are able to legitimately get out of the barrel and you know, move on. They don't want other people to get out the barrel. So sometimes they'll be just as bad as the oppressor and press other people down because they want what they have found in success. So they may think all to themselves so that they can continue to further themselves, which is really sad. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the men probably don't want the women to know because they don't need to know. They're women. They just need to lay on their backs and bear children. That's all that matters because their women so what did you guys think about when jesus said that he is the living water and whoever drinks will not thirst again and all that kind of stuff like like that like what what do you think that was meant by that like just to me the living water i mean that's that's to me like his word like you will never thirst again you know knowing him you will be full off of it. I feel like it's it's your everything. Mm. So he's saying, if you get to know me and you know who I am in my word, that you will not thirst again. Basically, like the worldly stuff will always make you want more. Mm-hmm. But he is satisfying. Like everything about God, knowing him, you'll be content. You'll be satisfied. You won't lack for anything. Whereas the worldly stuff you're going to want to keep going after more and more and more and more you're never satisfied so it's like quenching your ter- your thirst mm. ain't that the truth though mm, like yep. you remember back in the day people used to like it was a slang word they called like a girl who was like promiscuous or real needy thirsty it kind of mm-hmm. reminds me of that. Like, oh, she thirsty. Oh, he mm-hmm. thirsty. He just want, he want, he want, he want, you know, he's great and do anything for that attention or sex or whatever it is that they thirsting for. Like, but like you said, it's never going to fulfill your, your true need because really God is our true. Like God made us imperfect so that, you know, we could have a relationship with him so that we would yearn for a relationship with him and he's really the only one who can fill those gaps in our lives, those the emptiness or those holes in our lives. He's really the only one who can fill it. So a lot of people, times people try to fill it with drugs or alcohol or sex or power or money or education or their work. Like they try to fill it with all these earthly things that they just, and it never really gets them that joy that they've been looking for until mm-hmm. they start to build their relationship with God. Yep. And even like, you know how it says you have to hide God's word in your heart. That's like you were saying, like if you're going through issues like drugs and all of that, if you have God's word, the living water inside of you, right? You could pull it back up. 
right? You could say those mm. those words that give life, the living water. Say the words that give life so you could water your spirit back up again. You know, that's like, to me, it, it's just knowing, like you said, knowing God, knowing his word and knowing who he is and hiding it and hiding in your heart and pulling it out whenever your your well is dry, you know, mm. just just saying his word back to yourself again. What is it? Rewater yourself. What is word? So it's like a forever flowing fountain, like he said, everlasting. Yeah. And we all need that to grow. We like little flowers. We need yep. that water to grow. Because we go dry mm -hmm. sometimes, girl. <laughs> we yep, dry. Very it. much so. Very much so. <laughs> this was good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. So, so takeaways, I guess, honestly, would be the whole thing of being welcoming and not judging people and talking mm -hmm. to everyone. Like we can all be of different, have our differences, because that's what makes the world more fun. But you can still be respectful, or just let whoever live in their corner and mind their business and you do the same like you don't have to look down upon someone and not love someone especially saying that you're a christian you're a christian you don't have to agree with people you don't have to like them but you at least have to respect them and have like you know a human love for them in 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 the the least capacity of just wanting them to be well do well even if it's you know on their side over there that's perfectly fine you mm. don't need to have any malice towards them it's it's a-okay mm. I think my takeaway would be that it doesn't matter what your background is it doesn't matter what you've been through in your life good or bad it doesn't matter what you have done good or bad Jesus still loves you there's still a place for you there's still a purpose in your life and he is willing to meet you in the loneliest of places because he loves you and he still has purpose for you. So that would be my take. Mm -hmm. That's good. That was almost that. That was similar to mine. <laughs> I guess my take would be, don't be so blinded by your labels. Mm. Um, see mm -hmm. God for who he is when he is right there in front of you. Because I felt like so many times um, the, Samaritan, the Samaritan woman, she missed the mark. Like Jesus was trying to tell him, look, I am the, the Messiah that you speak of. But it took so long for her to recognize that, hey, it is. Mm -hmm. you know, that we shouldn't be so consumed with what others think of us and what we're labeled as. But to see when God is beckoning for us to come to him or, you know, when he's speaking to us to be open and hear him clearly. Mm -hmm. mm. That was good. Very good. That's a word. That's a very good one. <laughs> yes, yes. Amen yeah. on that. Well, on that, we're going to go ahead and close out in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for bringing us together again, Love Lord. That. that we mm -hmm. are alive and well, Lord. We thank mm -hmm. you that you have given us an inspiration and an ability to be able to talk about these things openly, Lord. We pray for those around the world who have struggled with being oppressed, being depressed, being suppressed, and being outlawed 
of listening to your word and having an open mind and being able to discover who you are, Lord, because that is still going on in the world as well, Lord. We pray for those who are still having to go through racism and sexism and being put down and being condemned and being treated mm -hmm. subhuman when we know that we are all children of God, Lord, and we pray for them, Lord. We pray that you are with them through every struggle, Lord. We pray for those who oppress them, Lord, that they can be enlightened to your will and your way, Lord. We pray for those who are not doing the things that they're supposed to do, Lord, that you just guide each and every one of us who is not doing what we're supposed to do, whether it be judging others or doing crazy stuff to hurt ourselves, Lord. We pray that you just guide us so that we can be better and so that we can lead people closer to you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Amen.